You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. Because this episode is a bit longer than usual, but so worth listening to all of it, wanted to let you know what we're going to be talking about. First, the event that shattered Rick and Melissa's hearts and ultimately led to their business idea. Second, how they wound up on Shark Tank and the crazy amount of preparation that goes into it. Third, the internal battle they experienced while facing down the sharks on set. And finally, the amazing things God is doing in their business today. Enjoy. Rick, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It is a privilege to have you on the show. Honored to be here, Brian. Thank you. In 2010, something very serious occurred in your lives that really changed everything for you and your wife. What was it? Yeah, my wife and I uh, were newly married. We had been married uh, for about three years. And like many married couples, we had a dream, desire to have a family. And we we didn't really understand how difficult that would be. Uh, we had tried to get pregnant for about a year and a half, had a miscarriage, and uh, it was just taking a lot longer than one might think. I think we were naive, thinking we would just have a family and <laughs> the white picket fence and ride off into the sunset and things would be uh, glorious. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. And um, after the the miscarriage that my wife had, we got pregnant again pretty quickly, and everything was going amazing in that pregnancy, and it felt right, and there was joy because this is something that we had been expecting, expectantly waiting on for a while. So we're super excited about this young family and this young marriage that we've got. And in May of 2010, uh, I was out of town. I got a phone call from uh, my uh, good friends of the family telling me that Melissa was being rushed into emergency surgery. And I was about three hours outside of Austin at that point. And so instantly fear starts to set in of what's going on. Is my wife okay? Is our child okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Melissa was halfway through our pregnancy and everything was going perfect. Every doctor's appointment was absolutely amazing. And then to hear this news that she's going into emergency surgery and I've got to get there as quick as possible really threw me for a loop. And I jump in my truck and I head back uh, to Austin, went straight to the hospital. When I walked in, uh, our specialist had just finished up with the surgery and she said everything went well. I saw your your baby daughter's foot. Um, she's healthy. Melissa's healthy. Melissa is going to have to stay in the hospital for the rest of this pregnancy. They were telling us that best case scenario, we would be there four months. And obviously that wasn't the news that I think anyone, anyone would want to hear. It wasn't exactly convenient news, but I looked at the doctor and I said, okay, well, if that's what it takes to have a healthy baby girl, then we're in and we will make it just fine. And so I would say from that point forward, we really had a tremendous attitude and we had joy and we took every single day, a day at a time, but we brought joy to the situation. And we just said that if this is how it's going to be, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Four and a half months, four months, whatever it is, it may seem like a long time, but if that's what it takes to have a healthy baby girl, then not a big deal at all. So we really, we took it with an, an attitude of just extreme joy and laughter and we're going to smile and we're going to be very upbeat and full of faith, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely full of faith from day one. And kind of a a really cool side story of what happened within one week, one of our nurses came up to us and she said, okay, 
I need to know what it is that's different about you guys because everyone that is in this situation is sad. They're grieving. They're upset. They're depressed. But you guys are the exact opposite. You're always smiling. You're always laughing. You're joking around. What's the deal? Uh-huh. And we got to tell her about Jesus, got to explain the gospel to her, and she received Jesus, awesome. uh, which was absolutely incredible. And so we're there thinking, okay, this is all meant to be. This is part of a much bigger story that's going on. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have this tremendous testimony in this daughter that almost didn't make it, but she's going to be this amazing woman of God one day. And, you know, we just, we, we knew that things were going to work out perfectly mm-hmm. and we were praying constantly around the clock. Um, I had called everyone that I knew to pray with us. So we had a ton of prayer bathed over the situation and we knew that it was going to be great. And what happened two weeks into the pregnancy, two weeks of being into the hospital, I got a phone call at about six in the morning and that's pretty rare. Um, I wasn't staying at the hospital because I had to run my company uh, and we had a routine to where I would be there a good portion of the day, but I would go home at night, sleep in, in my own bed, get up in the morning, do a little bit of business and work before I would meet up with Melissa. That was a landscaping company, wasn't it at yes, the time? Sir. Okay. It was a landscaping company. And to get a phone call at 6 a.m. Uh, was not normal mm-hmm. by any stretch. And it was our specialist. And when I answered the phone, I could tell instantly something wasn't right because I could hear her voice trembling a little bit. Mm. And my heart just sank. And she said, Rick, you need to get here as quick as possible. Wow. And so... I mean, I tear up right now just thinking about it, and it's been over a decade. And I've told this story so many times, but I jumped in my car. I raced to the hospital, and our specialist was the first person that I saw before I walked into Melissa's room, and she had tears in her eyes. Mm. And she said, Rick, I'm so sorry. There's nothing more that we can do. An infection has set in. And Melissa's going to give birth to your baby girl, and she's not going to make it. Her lungs are not developed enough. Oh, man. And oh, my gosh. Um, my heart shattered. Yeah. It, it absolutely shattered because we were full of faith. We never wavered for one second. We knew that this was going to come out fine. We knew that it was going to be a great story. A story of tragedy to triumph, but we knew it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And to hear that news, it really impacted us. And it it was it wasn't heartbreaking; it was heart shattering. I felt like my heart had literally shattered in a million pieces. Wow! And you know this, being a dad of a baby girl. Yes, there's something special with that relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, and a dad is is a strong figure for his baby girls and he's a protector and he's a warrior for them and that's what i had been doing for two weeks i'd been fighting for my daughter Mm -hmm. knowing that she's going to be okay here that she wasn't uh it just it took the rug from out out from underneath us and what took Place next was 54 hours of labor before she was delivered. And even during that, that roller coaster of emotions, we maintained faith that God would do a miracle. Because what the doctors told us was, your daughter's about a week too early. She's not going to make it. And I'm thinking a week is nothing in God's eyes. Um, that's no big deal. I mean, this... We can still make it through this. And so till the very end, before we lost her, we maintained faith. Mm. Uh, Yes, we were absolutely rocked. Yes, we were extremely emotional. But we kept going back to God is bigger than this. She's going to be okay. She's going to live somehow, some way. 
she's going to be okay. And you know what? It didn't happen. Uh, which that heart shattering was very real. The craziest thing happened a few minutes after she was born um, because she only lasted a couple of seconds. She couldn't breathe. Mm. As the nurses were fingerprinting her hands and her feet, her hand right in front of all of our eyes, there was two nurses in there, and Melissa and myself, it formed the sign language, I love you. And it, we all watched it, like what is going on. And it was a slow thumb went out, her index finger went up, her pinky went up, her two middle fingers went down. And um, to me, that was God saying, I love you. Or it was my daughter saying, I love you. I'm okay. Yeah. But to give us this literal sign, and we have a picture of it. It's, it's really unbelievable. Mm. That was kind of God already stepping in saying, I'm going to rescue this. I'm going to rescue you. Yeah. And I told Melissa uh, about an hour after delivery, I'd spent that hour with my baby girl and holding her. The nurses said, you know, we're going to get Melissa cleaned up and you can have some time with your daughter. And I, I don't think I've ever cried that much in my life. Um, I literally bathed her in my tears so much so that I don't think I had tears left. Yeah. And as sad as it was, it was also a time of joy because I was, I was explaining to her what life would be like with us, what we would do, the places we would travel, the things that she would get to experience. And so it was healing mm. uh, along with extreme emotion and sorrow. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was a good time that I remember uh, to this day. I'm very thankful that I had that time with her. And when Melissa came back in, you know, I gave our daughter to the nurses, and I told Melissa, "We have a choice to make as believers in Jesus, as followers, as Christians, as faith-filled people." I told her, "We can be upset." With God, we can be mad. We can ask, why didn't you save her? Why didn't you ask? Why didn't you answer our prayers? And bitter and resentful. And I said, that's a legitimate option. That's a legitimate path. And honestly, I don't think God would (laughs) be upset. I think he would be very understanding. Uh, But I also told her, or we can take the path of trust. Trust in him that something good is going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. And I told Melissa right then, that's the path that we're going to take. Even if we never find out why this happens, we're going to choose to believe and trust in him and his goodness. And we're going to choose to believe that something good is going to come out of this. And it was a bedrock moment in our lives. And at the time, I don't think Melissa bought in just yet. Because uh, she was obviously grieving, sure, but she listened and she nodded, uh, and I, I just said, "That's the stance that we're going to take. That is what our family is going to do." Rick, how much of that would you say, looking back, was a a choice, a will, a willed choice versus a f- rising up of faith? or combination thereof in your heart to make that decision? I think it was a combination of both. That's a really good question. Um, The faith was there. Um, But you know this as well as everyone else on the planet. When you're faced with difficult situations and they don't turn out as you wanted or as you expected or as you had faith, at that point you have a choice to make. And the choice is normally, is God good? Yeah. Or did he hold out on me? Mm-hmm. Um, that really, the, the negative path didn't uh, sway me. I knew it wasn't an option. I knew it was a choice. Right. And I know many people that take that path because it's easy. 
it's easy to blame God or yourself. Um, but for whatever reason, when when that choice was in my heart, I knew the only path to take. Mm-hmm. And the path was trusting that something good is going to come out of this tragedy. And it wasn't easy by any stretch. It was a very difficult thing. No doubt. Just as it is for everyone that goes through tragedy or loss. You've got this situation now, this hand that's been given to you. Mm -hmm. And then there's something that occurs with respect to your wife. This grace and lace kind of concept. Help me understand that. What happened? Yeah, so what what had happened in the hospital uh, when Melissa was admitted was she's not a person to sit around and watch TV all day. Um, She's very active. She's very creative. And so she wanted to learn how to knit in the the hospital when she was laying on her bed because she was on strict bed rest. She was not allowed out of her bed except to go to the restroom. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in a what's called a Trendelenburg position, meaning her head was a little bit lower than her feet. That's how extreme the situation was. For four and a half months. Yes. Mm. And so um, she picked up knitting and she started making our baby girl, Hallie, a blanket. And that was passing the days for her. And she had joy in creating something. Um and so when when Melissa and I were leaving the hospital, there was two nurses that we really became good friends with. And one of the nurses uh, was, you know, wheeling Melissa to the car with all of our stuff. And she handed Melissa the blanket that was unfinished. And she said, Melissa, don't you stop making that blanket. Um, you keep going. And, you know, Melissa, she didn't think anything of it at the t- time. But a few weeks after, a few weeks of grieving, she picked up that blanket again and she said, I'm going to finish this. No, I don't have a daughter who it was for, but I'm going to finish this project. Mm. And uh, there were a lot of tears on that blanket as well. Sure. Because it's you know tied to a memory. Mm-hmm. But she did finish it. And she really enjoyed the process. She really enjoyed being creative. And once she finished that, she wanted to start another one and she wanted to start making blankets for other mothers in similar situations. And then she wanted to start making some baby clothes. Uh, And before you knew it, a couple of months had passed and, you know, she was making, I don't know, five items or so a month, nothing intense by any stretch. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was seeing this joy in her and creativity because it was an outlet for her. And she ended up starting a little website on Etsy where she was just selling baby clothes. And we were killing it, Brian. I mean, we were making like 10 to $20 per month, just <laughs> raking in the cash. <laughs> uh, obviously, it wasn't a business. It was a hobby of hers. Uh, money was not what we were looking for. And I was just excited that she was doing something that was helping her and making her come alive. Mm-hmm. And in October of that year, 2000, uh, well, it was actually o- October of 2011. So a little time had passed mm-hmm. from when we had lost Hallie in uh, May of 2010. October of 2011, she had an idea to make a boot sock that would stick out of the top of her boots that would have lace around it and some buttons. And uh, the term that she used was frilly. That's not necessarily a term that you and I as guys use, but uh, she wanted a frilly sock to stick out of her boots. And so she looked online, couldn't find it, looked around in stores, couldn't find it. It was this vision that God had given her. And Uh, It didn't exist at the time. So being that she learned how to knit, and so she just said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make what I envision. Mm -hmm. So, okay, great. Go for it, Melissa. That's fantastic. 
She did. She sat down at the sewing machine, and about seven hours later, she had made this pair of socks that she envisioned. And I'll never forget, she came downstairs because our sewing machine was up in our master bedroom of this little bitty condo. She came downstairs to the main floor where the living room is, and I was probably watching football. And I see this look in her eyes that every husband knows, which is, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Do I run? Do I pretend I'm asleep? What do I do? It was that type of a look. Yeah. <laughs> and she she looked straight at me and she said, okay, well, I made it. I'm never making one of these again. It was the biggest pain in the <laughs> you-know-what. Yeah. And we jokingly called it the PETA, which stands for pain in the yeah. ankle. Right. You can fill in the word. <laughs> And, and of course I said, okay, that's great. Um, she said she wanted to wear them and because she spent so much time on them, I said, go for it. That sounds like a great idea. And so she did. And every time that she would wear those things, she would come back to the house and she would have handfuls of cards or handwritten information of people that wanted a pair. Really? Now this is a pair that she said she's never going to make again ever. And after probably the third time that she wore them and we've got over 50 handwritten cards or um, people's business cards, women's business cards, obviously that want a pair. I thought for a second, that's not, it's not normal that a stranger would come up to you and willingly give their information and beg you to make them something. Right. And I told her, we might be onto something here. Actually, I said, you might be onto something here. Mm-hmm. Why don't you put those on your Etsy website and let's see if they sell. And neither one of us had a clue. So she said, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And I think we put them on there for um, like $17 or something, which was about the cost of supplies and uh, time and all that that went into it. And lo and behold, they sold instantly and it freaked her out. She's like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) she literally just posted and they sold the second they were up. Wow. And it was kind of crazy. And, you know, we, we laughed and shrugged it off. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, Melissa didn't even understand how to run her Etsy business. And she didn't understand how to turn the listing off. (laughs) So, (laughs) Two days later, she was on the website and she said, oh my gosh, over 400 people have bought this pair of socks that we don't have that I'm never going to make again. No way, Rick. 400. They, in, in, over 400 in two days. Oh my goodness. That had paid for it. They already paid. And they had already paid. So we have a <laughs> fairly decent amount of money Yeah, from all of those. And I told her, okay, this is a decision that we need to make. Number one, are we going to give all the money back to the people, which we totally can. That's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Or number two, do we figure out how to do this? We're business people. We're entrepreneurs. No, we don't have experience within women's apparel, but running a business is running a business. We can figure this out if we want. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take her a split second before she looked at me and she said, I don't want to give all that money back. Let's figure it out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So... (laughs) To me, that got me excited. I've I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, very similar to you. I've started over 15 ventures and I love, I love starting new businesses. So what I told Melissa was, okay, you know how to make these. Let's find anyone and everyone that we can within our circle of seamstresses uh, that you can teach how to make this sock. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're going to do it. And so we mobilized, and I'd say within one day, we had seven seamstresses, and we were up and running. That's pretty cool in one it was day. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got after it. I mean, you, you understand. Were these mostly people in your personal circle, or did they lead to another person who led to another person? We reached out to our contacts and our friends and mm-hmm. said, hey, do you know any seamstresses? And some people said, well, I am. And others said, well, my mom is or my grandmother is. Yeah. So that's how it happened. And what happened next? Well, it took about two weeks um, for us to fulfill the 400 orders. Mm -hmm. And this was in 
uh, November of 2011. So the very first sale took place October 31st, 2011. So we're now into November and I'm thinking, okay, cool. We've got this extra little blessing of cash that's come in from a side business that neither one of us expected or was looking for. And once we get these fulfilled, then we'll have, you know, a little bit extra money for the holidays and it's all great. Well, what happened? <laughs> the orders, the, the hundreds of orders started turning into thousands of orders. Unbelievable. And this thing completely went viral. Did you keep the rate? And Did you keep the price at $17? We, we actually had to raise it to 24 um, fairly quickly. Because sure. I, I was thinking if we raise it, that's going to slow down all of this demand. And it didn't at all. Matter of fact, it just kept building and building. And I'll tell you this, the first two months of that venture, I don't know that we slept. Uh, It was around the clock making these, searching all over town for supplies and materials, contacting people from other cities and other states to see if they would help find materials, they'd ship them to us. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was absolute pandemonium. Wow. And after two months, we had done $40,000 worth of business. (laughs) And I know enough about business to know that's not normal. No. Uh, You don't start from zero and have 40,000 within a two month period. And so at that point I thought we actually might have more than, this hobby that I thought it would be Mm -hmm. Uh, because the sales, again, they, they just didn't stop. You know, I thought they would stop after Christmas. They didn't, they kept going thousands and thousands of orders kept rolling in. And, uh, the first, first full year we did about (laughs) 850,000 in business. Was this all on Etsy? It was. Yep. We became, one of the biggest sellers on Etsy. By the time you were at that dollar mark in sales, you had seven seamstresses to start. What were you up to at that point in terms of the number of people helping? Uh, it, it didn't really change that much more. I mean, we may have gotten up to 10, but uh, a few of them were professional seamstresses that had their own businesses. And we gave them a ton of business. And needless to say, we became very good friends because every day it was, okay, we need 200. We need 400 this day. We need 800. Um, And they would hire the people to fulfill it from that point because that's their business. All for the frilly sock. All for the frilly sock. Yep. It got very crazy very fast. So what happened next? Year of... um, it really going gangbusters. We had an interesting opportunity that hit me at a heart level. And this was in February of 2000. Actually, this was 11. Mm-hmm. So the business had barely even begun. Uh, we were four months into it. And I told Melissa, I feel like we're supposed to be on Shark Tank. Uh, and she kind of looked at me like, okay, you're crazy. Uh, I don't want to be on Shark Tank. I don't want to get eaten alive by Mr. Wonderful. Right. But you go ahead and apply, whatever. She had zero faith that it would happen. Now, Brian, I feel like the creator of all creation told me that we're supposed to be on it. Mm -hmm. So I I just feel like God has this plan for us. So Rick, did you, did you wake up one day and just it was just dropped on your heart. I think we should get on Shark Tank. How did that come about in your mind? Yeah, we were on a vacation in Colorado and uh, a ski vacation, kind of away from the hustle and bustle of everything. And I was praying one morning and it was literally out of the blue. Like this thought occurred that Shark Tank is the route for us. Okay. And so I'm, that's when I told Melissa right away and she told me I'm nuts, but whatever, apply. It's never going to happen, but you can go ahead and apply. And so I did. Thanks for your support, honey. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But she, she gave me the support. She gave me the go ahead. Sure. Right. Which was the important thing. Now I didn't care if she didn't believe we were going to get on or not. I knew that we were going to, 
so I apply in February of, of that year, uh, which would have been 2012 mm-hmm. and didn't hear anything. And then I applied again in March, not a word applied again in April, nothing applied two times in May, nothing. So I had, I had applied a handful of times and I hadn't heard anything back. And at that point I said, well, maybe we're not supposed to be on Shark Tank. Maybe, maybe I heard wrong. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a possibility. And, uh, the funny thing is probably an hour after I said that I get a phone call from a good buddy of mine, internet marketing genius. And we were talking and he was asking me how things were going with this new venture. And I, I had been asking him if he wanted to partner with us because online sales and internet traffic and lead generation, that's what this guy's an expert at. And I trust the guy. He's a, a great guy. And so I just flat out asked him, do you want to partner with us in this venture? And he said, well, I'd like that, but I really feel like you're supposed to be on Shark Tank. Really? Had you told him this before? No, no, Mm -hmm. we hadn't talked about it at all. So I'm cracking up. And I said, okay, why do you say that? And he said, well, I was praying for you guys. And I just felt like God told me that's what is supposed to happen. And I said, Jeff, this is crazy, but God put that on my heart in February. I've already applied a handful of times. I haven't heard back. So I was thinking maybe it wasn't supposed to happen. And he laughed and he said, well, I know a producer. Let me make a phone call. And within 15 minutes, Shark Tank producers are calling us, asking for the story, asking all about it. And 30 minutes after talking with them, they said, okay, we love it. We love you guys. We love this story. We have to have you. (laughs) And we're going to bump you to the front of the line. Really? Um, So we need X, Y, and Z done. We need it done within a week. We're going to fly you out, and you're going to film very quickly. So things went from zero to 100 Mm -hmm. in a split second. Yeah. Now, uh, to back up a little bit, after we lost our, our daughter, Hallie, we did that, and the doctors figured out what was going on. They figured out why Melissa was high risk. And so we were able to do some things preventatively, mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to get pregnant. We did have a healthy daughter uh, after our loss, and then Melissa was pregnant with our son when Shark Tank said, we want to film. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's, we were, I would say we were three, four months into that pregnancy, kind of coming up on the halfway point. And obviously the producers knew that Melissa was high risk. And so what happens when, when you're given the okay to be on the show, you start having weekly phone calls with producers and they work with you on your pitch and kind of help you. So you're, you don't, arrive on set and you're a deer in headlights. Yeah. So you have a couple of months of preparation time with the producers. So it can be the best possible filming. Mm -hmm. And about a month into it, the producer said, you know what guys, we've talked a lot about this and we actually are not going to have you out this season because of the pregnancy. Uh, and we, we just don't want anything bad to happen. Mm-hmm. Our specialist had told us we could film, but she also said, you need to be very careful and need to get back to Texas immediately. Mm-hmm. And so the producers, they made the right call. And quite honestly, I was starting to get pretty stressed out about it. Um, Understandably. Yeah. I mean, you never want to have a loss again when you've Mm -hmm. already gone through something so traumatic. And so to me, it felt, it felt like that was God's plan all along. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when Melissa heard the news, she was actually shattered. Really? She really beat up herself, which was nothing other than the enemy. 
because she was just hearing the accusation of because of you, you're not going to get this opportunity. It's your fault. Yeah. So it was clear to me that the accuser was just bombarding her Mm -hmm. and she felt terrible and um, thought that we were going to have this big opportunity and now it's going to go away. But what the producers told me was we want to have you the next season. We just don't want anything to happen with your son. Sure. Uh, And it, it, to me, it resonated perfectly and it gave me peace of mind knowing, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. And we're going to have better numbers the next season. We're going to have figured things out more. So I got to tell Melissa, like, let's not, let's take this for the blessing that it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I do believe this is going to happen. And Melissa's faith wasn't quite there with me. She was saying, well, they probably say that to everyone. We're never going to hear back from them. Mm-hmm. Well, the producer flat out told me exactly when to call him when they start preparing for the next season. And so I did. And, you know, the first question that he asks is, okay, how are the numbers? What are the numbers like? Yeah. And I was able to tell him that after the first year we had done 850,000 in sales and the guy kind of choked, like, (laughs) did, did I just hear (laughs) 850,000 in your first year? And I said, yeah, that's right. And, he was super excited because he thought maybe things were going to flop. Because um, when originally we spoke, we'd only been in business, you know, what would that have been? Seven months, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so to hear a good report, he was super excited, said, okay, well, we're going to get this thing going again. You know the program. We're going to be working with you for the next few months. And here's the dates we're going to fly you out. And uh, we got on that fast track again. And so to go back to Melissa and say, Hey, I just spoke with the producers and they're actually more excited now than ever. Uh, that gave her a pretty good feeling as well. Sure. We went out to film. It would have been June of 2013, I believe. Filming was amazing, which I can tell you all about that because it's quite divine, I would say. Uh, and then we ended up airing, um, November 22nd, 13. Okay. So what happened that was a divine intervention during the filming? Yeah, it's, it's comical on a few levels. So Melissa and I are great in business together and we bring a lot of qualities to the table that the other one doesn't have. Mm-hmm. We're fairly opposite and I am much more of the organized business partner, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And Melissa's a little bit more fly by the seat of her pants and very, very creative. And so when, when you're given a two-month period to prepare, I'm taking that super serious. And uh, it's a three-minute pitch. And I'm thinking, if we've got two months, we're going to have this like the back of our hand. This is going to be a piece of cake. You would think, right? And we practiced it every yeah. week. You would think, yes. So every week we practice. Every week we're on the phone with the producers and they're tweaking it for us and we even had people over to the house that acted as judges and we did our pitch. I love it. Not one time in a two month period could Melissa get her parts right <laughs> at all. And I'm just like pulling my hair out going, okay, we're going to be flying out to California quickly. You are, you haven't gotten anything right. In the hundred times or so that we have rehearsed this, oh, no. it's starting to freak me out a little bit. Yeah. We actually get to California. She hasn't gotten it right once. And we're probably 30 minutes before uh, we're going to give the pitch to the producers. Because what, what happens is they fly you out. Um, they put every entrepreneur in front of 30 producers. You go out on a stage and there's 30 producers in the audience. You give the pitch and they tweak it further. And then you have a few more days to practice before you actually film live. So we're about to go out on stage and Melissa's extremely nervous and I'm extremely nervous. Like (laughs) we've come so far 
and she's forgetting everything. She's forgetting every line. Like, oh, Jesus, what do we do? And that was my prayer. Jesus, literally, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to help me here. And I felt like the Lord said, tell Melissa, when it counts, she'll be fine. She'll just crush it. And I said, Jesus, I really hope that's from you because that's what I'm going to tell her. And so I did. And we walk out on stage. I can see visibly that Melissa's nervous. And she nailed it. Mm. Absolutely crushed it. Uh, Wonderful. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was so relieved. And, of course, the producers, they they worked with us and said, you know, we really like it, but let's change this and let's add this. And they just made our, our pitch a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So we took that advice. We had four days to practice before we filmed live. And so we did. And for whatever reason, Brian, <laughs> my wife reverts to the Melissa of old forgetting everything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, goodness, what, what is going on? All the way up into the point to where we are backstage on the live set. They're miking us up. And we can hear the the entrepreneurs before us, and they are getting absolutely destroyed. The sharks do not like their pitch at all, and they are killing them, oh. especially Mark Cuban. Uh-huh. And that's making Melissa even more nervous. Yeah. And I'm looking at her, and she's so nervous that she doesn't know her name. <laughs> I mean, she was she looked like she had seen a ghost. Mm. And I'm right back in that same exact spot of, oh my gosh, yes, we killed it in front of the producers, but this is not good. And this is trending very badly for Melissa Mm -hmm. to make it even worse. The producers said, okay, you've got an hour and a half or so before you're going to go on before the sharks relax. Well, after they said that, maybe 10 minutes later, they're running into the room going, okay, this is going really fast. The sharks don't like this pitch. You're going to be up in about five minutes. Let's go. Let's go. So we didn't have time to think. We are freaking out. No doubt. <laughs> and I'm in that same exact spot of Jesus. What do we do? What, what do I tell Melissa? And same as last time, he said, tell her the exact same thing. So I did, but this time I didn't have a, I, I didn't have a lot of faith if I'm to be honest, because uh-huh. I'm watching Melissa's lip quiver and the, the sweat and uh, this is real. This is live. Yeah. And so I, I'm just going, okay, Jesus, I, again, I have to rely on you 100% for this and to back up even a little bit. When we started working with the producers back in Texas, the two-month prep time that we had with the weekly calls, mm-hmm. once I knew we, we had a date that they were flying us to California, I was praying and hitting my knees like crazy and saying, okay, God, this is of you. This is 100% your business. You're making this happen. So you need to direct us on who we're to partner with or if we're not to partner with anyone. Whatever you want is all that I want. I don't care. I just want direction from you. That's Mm -hmm. it. And for two months straight, I felt like he said, Barbara Corcoran has to be part of the deal. Wow. And so going in to filming, I'm feeling as confident as one can feel. Like I've heard from the creator of all creation, what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. We're going to go with that. Yeah. So we walk into the tank Did you share that with Melissa, what the Lord had showed you about, okay, what was her response? Yes. She loved it. I had done research on all of the sharks and read a lot of books, a lot of articles, told Melissa all about them. Mm -hmm. And it it did seem like Barbara was the right fit uh, on top of what I felt like God said. And so Melissa felt good about it as well. And we went in with a unified game plan of Barbara has to be a part of it. Or if she's not, we're going to walk out of the tank. Mm. However, 
with Melissa's nerves, I'm just hoping that we can get off the platform <laughs> with our pitch. Right. So we walk into the tank. And one thing that you don't see on TV is they, they have you walk in and there's markings for your feet there for one minute and not say a word. So you're staring at the sharks. They're staring at you. There's like 35 cameras swirling around. Really? And they're getting all of these shots. And it feels like that one minute is an hour. Oh, I'm sure. And it's, you know, it's fairly warm as well. And so I'm just praying, like, God, please help Melissa. (laughs) Please help her get her lines. And same thing happens. She absolutely killed it on the pitch. Mm. So it's like Jesus knows what he's talking about. Yeah, you think? I mean, <laughs> time and time again. Because all I did was encourage her when, when you've got exactly what it takes and you're going to do phenomenal. Yeah. And that's all she needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all in there. And I guess she's just made to where when there's pressure, that's what she thrives with. If there's no thresher, no pressure, then it's like, eh. I don't need to remember my lines. I don't need to remember my name or yeah. what the name of the company is. <laughs> and you being Mr. Organized are like, now come on. <laughs> I'm totally freaking out. <laughs> You've done this how many times? Oh, yeah. Exactly. So you got to deal with Barbara, yeah. right? Yeah. So what happened is we filmed for an hour and a half. And within, I would say, 10 minutes, Barbara said, okay. I like what I'm hearing. I like you guys. I'm going to get this started. I'm going to give you half of what you want, but you have to get another shark. Mm. And I'm thinking, we've got this in the bag. This is too easy. Jesus, you already told me that she was going to be a part of it. So this is a piece of cake. I'll be able to get one of the other sharks blindfolded with my hands tied behind my back. (laughs) Well, Mr. Wonderful, he's next. He liked it. He offered us a good deal, um, and I said, well, thank you for the offer. Would you be interested in partnering with Barbara on this? No, nope, no, nope, I want this to myself. Don't need her help. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let me let me think about that. Uh, Lori Grenier was next, and she said, you guys are totally lying. There's no way your numbers are this good. We're going to find out exactly what you are lying about, but I'm out. Wow. And that that shocked us. Yeah. To be quite honest, Robert Hershevik is next. He also gave us an offer, exactly what we were asking for. Mm-hmm. And I like Robert. I think he's a really good guy. Same question. Would you be interested in partnering with Barbara? Nope. I don't need her. Uh, I've got this. I'm giving you exactly what you want. I want to do the deal with you. And we actually argued for probably 20 minutes and it got really heated. And all I'm doing is stalling. I'm just, I'm trying to make eye contact with Barbara. Like, Hey, we need this from you, not from Mm -hmm. any others. She wasn't really picking it up. Well, Robert gets ticked off and he's like, you know what? I did love you guys, but you're completely indecisive. So forget it. I'm out. All right. Then we go to Mark Cuban and same thing. Love it. Love you guys. Love the numbers. Believe y'all are going to do well. I'll give you exactly what you want. My same question. Would you be interested in partnering with Barbara? Would you have her in on the deal? Nope. Don't need her. I mean, it's the same song and dance. Yeah. And at this point we had been in there for over an hour probably an hour and 15 minutes. Never would have guessed that watching the show that it can go. No, that, no. Right? You, you would never know. I, again, I'm asking questions. I'm stalling with Mark Cuban and he ended up getting pretty ticked off as well and made some comments that we don't know what we're doing. And entrepreneurs, if they're indecisive like that, they'll never succeed, blah, blah, blah. And faith inside of me rose up and he's obviously one of the key facets of the show. He's one of the key reasons that Shark Tank has been so successful. Mm -hmm. And you've got this multi-billionaire 
And I rose up and I looked him directly in the, in the eye and told him, you're wrong. We actually have a game plan. We knew exactly what we wanted when we came in here. It was like the spirit of God coming up, letting him know, yes, you're a big deal in business, but you're not God. Did you kind of have an out-of-body experience at that moment going, I can't believe that came out of my mouth? I did. (laughs) It didn't feel like me, but something in me just rose up, and it was the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so at the last second, and I'm thinking, I honestly don't believe this has happened. We had Barbara instantly. It's now an hour and a half. We're about to walk out of the tank with no deal. Mm. And right before that, Barbara, she smiled and she said, you know what? I'm going to change my offer. And isn't this just like God to, to give you a game plan and see if you're going to stick with that? See if you're going to actually believe and stand on what you heard from him. Is it ever? Because I could have taken a deal with, we we were given four full offers. Um, one, when it was all said and done Mm -hmm. and, if I wasn't trusting of what I heard from God, I probably would have taken the first offer that we were given. Yeah. And Melissa's kind of kicking me when <laughs> sharks are going out, like, what are you doing? We're going to blow it. Mm-hmm. But we had to stick with what we believed God had said. And the last second, uh, which is just comical, Barbara says, okay, I'm going to change my offer. I'd like to give you guys the full offer. And boom, done. Done done deal. And so to walk out of the tank, knowing God had been telling us this for two months, she was the perfect one for us. It was an unbelievable feeling. No kidding. However, at the same point in time, we were also really sad. It's interesting because on a business level, it couldn't have gone better. We got exactly what we wanted. Mm-hmm. We got the exact partner that we wanted, and and it was amazing. We were sad because we didn't get to tell any of our story. Oh, and I thought that's the reason that we were on Shark Tank, like this new platform, and we're going to be able to tell our story on that show, and it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of sadness after, and prayed, and I kind of asked God, like would you please interpret this for me? Mm -hmm. And very quickly he said, don't worry, Rick. Um, That's not the platform to share your story. You'll be able to share your story plenty of times. And there's other platforms, but that was not the one. Mm -hmm. And so I felt okay. And also, again, you got to trust. Like, is that going to come to pass? Are we going to have another opportunity? Are we going to have more media in the future? I had no clue. Mm -hmm. He did. Yeah, uh, But long story short is it went perfect. We got the perfect partner. And then because of that, a lot of opportunities and a lot more media opened up to where we could share the story. Mm. Um, so it all came to pass exactly as God said, which is words couldn't describe how amazing. No doubt. Are you still partnered with Barbara? We are. Yep. Yeah. So how that's what, uh, eight years now? Eight and a half. Yep. Eight and a half years. And what has the, since the 850,000 in the first year, what has the business grown to? Well, we've done, um, we went over 50 million last year. That is phenomenal. Just exploded and it continues to grow. Um, Even through all the craziness of the COVID-19 epidemic, worldwide pandemic, Mm -hmm. it's God's business and he's grown the business in the, chaos of what's happening in the world. Wow. So it's been a very, very wild ride. Sounds like it. Since this has occurred in your life, what's one of the most profound things that God has had happen to you? I mean, Brian, I could give you hundreds of stories. I'll just give you the most recent. Okay. But from the beginning, I've told everyone that this is not our business. This is God's business. We steward the business. But we're not the owners. He's the owner. And we do our best uh, to steward it with wisdom. The whole business plan, quite honestly, is pray, listen, and do what we feel God is directing. 
Yeah. Uh, and we, we pray with many others. It's not like we pray one time and go, okay, I think this is what's supposed to happen. And we run with that. Mm-hmm. We pray with many people and almost have like a roundtable discussion of what do we feel like God is saying? Uh-huh. And we need confirmation with that. And that many times that's quite wise. I mean, it's talked about in Proverbs um, that there's, there's wisdom in counsel. Mm-hmm. And so we take that very seriously. One recent example is this March, March of 2020. Obviously, the coronavirus, we were well aware of that very early on, probably before most people knew what was happening. We were aware of it because we have over 60 manufacturers in China. Mm -hmm. And so we knew about things in early January because our manufacturers were telling us, here's what's going on. There's going to be delays. And obviously the wild situation was in the infancy stages in January. Mm -hmm. February comes along. It's ramping up a little bit more. There's delays. Uh, We have the worst first quarter we've ever had in the history of our company. And I think we were down like 27%, which is not terrible uh, in light of a worldwide pandemic, but it's the worst quarter that we've ever had. Right. And I told our whole staff, again, God's company, not sure what he's up to. I feel like we have growth coming this year. And this is an absurd statement to make being down 27%, but I believe um, God has plans that we don't quite understand. And we're going to grow this year. Just mark my words. And everyone's looking at me like, you're, <laughs> you're a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are not going good. Businesses are shutting down right and left, shelter in, lockdown, all that. Well, in the month of March, it would have been early March. I felt like Jesus said, okay, Grace and Lace needs to manufacture masks. And you need a lot of them. And so I took that to our design team and told them. And again, they're kind of looking at me like, well, this isn't really what we do, Rick. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we're a women's apparel company. We're not in PPE. And so I said, okay, well, I'm I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus, I, I feel is telling me loud and clear. They pray a little bit and they're like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. And sure enough, Um, we decide to design and start making masks. And one of our manufacturers even sent us 200 masks out of the blue. Didn't, we didn't have to pay for them. They just sent them to us. And so the crazy thing is when those arrived, it was two days later that Texas went on the shelter in lockdown and businesses closing Mm -hmm. right and left. But what Jesus did was he made our business essential by giving us masks. Incredible. And the the light bulb went off at that point. Okay, God, you're up to something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we we didn't even order these. (laughs) These were just sent. So you're you're in this. Mm -hmm. And it kept us, it kept our doors open because of those 200 masks that came in. Mm -hmm. uh, Because we became an essential business. Incredible. And so we had, we'd already designed and we had ordered, but, you know, still a couple of weeks from them coming in, but we could put them on the website for sale. Yeah. Like I said, we're down 27% after Q1. When we put masks on our website for sale, it was pre-sale. You know, you'll get these in a couple of weeks when we actually get them. Mm -hmm. But the amount of internet traffic that hit our website was off the chart. I mean, tens of thousands of new customers and they were coming to buy masks, but in addition, they're picking up other items. Mm -hmm. So in April sales went absolutely through the roof. It's continued in May. It's still continuing to this day and we have growth for the year already. And it looks like this year is going to be completely off the chart. (laughs) which is the wildest story because of what's going on in the world. Totally. But honestly, I would expect nothing less. This is his business. It's completely given over to him. It's consecrated daily in prayer. 
And to answer your question, um, I think the the most important thing or things that I've seen him do over the years literally is listen and do what he says. Mm. And God speaking, which is a, a category that I would say is probably a lost treasure in the kingdom. There's not a lot of churches out there that actually talk about hearing the voice of God. Yeah. But if you look at scripture, it's from Genesis to Revelation. God is always speaking to his people. Always. He's always guiding them. He's always directing them. I mean, you look at, uh, let's just take John chapter 10. Jesus tells us four times in that one chapter, my sheep hear my voice. Mm -hmm. So, if Jesus is saying, my sheep hear my voice, well, what's the implication? That we hear his voice. He hasn't changed. He's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's telling us four times in one chapter, like, hey, this is a clue. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to hear me. And what's so interesting, John 10.10, I think most people have heard that voice that have been around church where Jesus says, there's an enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, have it to the full, have it abundantly. And people love that. However, there's a condition to that that I don't think many people get. The condition, if you read on further, is yes, abundant life is possible, but it comes from hearing his voice. It comes from following what he says to do. Mm-hmm. He leads us to good pasture. And I've, I've learned this time and time and time again. He is the creator of all creation. We ask, we listen, and he can speak in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he sp- probably speaks to you differently than he does to me. But one of the, the chief, well, there's two key ways. Number one is through scripture. He's speaking through scripture. Mm-hmm. If there's any doubt, look at what the Bible says. That's the voice of God speaking to us, telling us what to do. Beyond that, Isaiah talks about the still small voice inside. And you see all of this conversational, conversational intimacy throughout scripture with God and his people. And it's to say, hey, you're not alone. You're a son. You're a daughter. I will guide you. I'll lead you to good pasture where you can rest, where you can prosper, where you can have life. I mean, you're look, everyone's looking for life. Mm-hmm. And it's found through God. And the, I'd say the, other than Scripture, the main way that he speaks to me, I have got a peaceful feeling within my heart. Or I don't. I've got a red flag. I've got a gut check. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that's a very simple way to hear his voice clearly. Mm -hmm. And I love to hear from other people, um, you know, what what is their experience? But to me, it's it's usually peace. And I ask really simple questions, Brian, like uh, when the Shark Tank uh, partners, that's an example. I went through every single one of them with a yes, no question. We partner with Mark Q or no. Mm-hmm. What are you saying, Lord? Are you saying yes? Are you saying no? And I would stick with that question until I feel like, you know what? I'm, I'm just getting a red flag. I'm getting this gut check almost every single time I ask it. Yeah, that's good. And so then I would move on. And, and I went down the line. I moved on to Barbara. Same thing. And for months asking the same question, there's always peace. There's always like a green light, like a go, like mm-hmm. this is what I've got. There's, there's peace there. There's not a gut check and well, I don't know about that. Something not feeling right. No, it was peace. Yeah. I like the uh, scripture about letting the Holy spirit act basically as the umpire. Yes. Right. Telling you it's a ball or a strike. Absolutely. It is, and it's not that difficult. Yeah, if you just spend time listening, that's that's a recurring theme in the people that have been on this podcast is listen. Take time to just listen. Mm-hmm. We're going to finish up here. I'd like to ask you, Rick, 
to pray for our listeners, if you would. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this time with Brian. Lord, I bless him. I bless this podcast. I bless all of the listeners. And God, I pray that this message would get to the exact people that you want it to get to, that it would pierce their hearts in a way that would make them come alive. And God, I pray your word in Psalm 8411 over and in this audience that you would provide for them, that you would protect them. You say that you will withhold no good thing as we walk righteously with you. And God, we don't know where the audience members are. Um, If they don't know you, I pray that they would know you. I pray that you would save them. I pray that you would set them free. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would heal their broken hearts. We all have broken hearts. And you say in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, that you come to heal the broken heart. You come to set the captive free. So God, if there are people listening to this podcast, I pray that you would heal them. I pray that you would set them free. I pray that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior, as their good Father, as their guide, which is what you are, Holy Spirit, for us. And Lord, I pray that if those listening do know you, I pray that there would be a further explosion in their heart for you, for your kingdom, that you would continually build them up, that you would guide them, that you would also heal them, restore them, renew them. God, I pray for revelation, and I thank you so much for Brian, for his heart to build your kingdom. I pray, God, that you would give us your strength and your power, according to Psalm 68, 35. Uh, Give Brian specifically your strength and your power to do what you have called him to do. Uh, You've given him a unique gifting. You've given him an anointing and a platform within the business world. And God, I pray that you would bless that. I pray that you would bless his kingdom. I pray that you would bless this podcast. I pray that you would bless the listeners. And again, God, protect us, provide for us, withhold no good thing as we walk with you, Lord, as you lead us to good pasture. And Jesus, it is in your mighty name that I pray. Uh, Lord, again, I thank you. I'm humbled. I am honored. Uh, But this is all about you, God. This is not about us. This is about you and your kingdom. And I pray that it would go far and wide, far reaching, wide reaching, uh, that it would hit the many and grab the few to explode your kingdom here on earth. Jesus, I also pray that you would come soon, Lord, that you would restore all things as you say you will do in scripture that is the anchor of my heart that is the anchor of our hope which is talked about in hebrews so lord we are waiting on you lord you have your way pray your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven in your mighty name that we pray jesus amen 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 Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being on the podcast today. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.